Welcome to Let's Talk MedTech. I'm Amanda Peterson, filling in for Omar, and here with us today talking about the very important topic of patient safety is Dr. G. Joe James, Chief Medical Officer of MedTech and Global External Innovation at Johnson & Johnson. Okay, G. Joe, let's talk MedTech. How has the conversation around patient safety in medical devices evolved over the course of your career? Definitely the conversation around patient safety has, has evolved over the past decade plus, where we've moved from a largely reactive approach to patient safety. You know, an event happens and you evaluate why it happens and what changes need to happen to a more proactive one where we are trying to close those gaps um, to ensure that those who use our products are free from any kind of avoidable harm. And I say avoidable because there's a benefit risk to everything, right? There is risk associated with right. uh, with any procedure. And it's important to balance that out and ensure that the benefits far outweigh those, those risks. So what do I mean by proactively managing risk? It's ensuring that we've got good governance and procedures in, in place. So it's ensuring you've got safety standards. We've got bodies called the safety management teams that are led by physicians that evaluate a safety issue with the ability to escalate to a medical safety council as may be appropriate. We've got active post-marketing surveillance in place. Um, we've standardized the whole health hazard evaluation, the harms, the coding of adverse events. We've established benefit risk frameworks. But you know, all that ensures that through the design process you're creating a safe device. But we also need to understand that just doing that by itself does not help ensure patient safety because there is an operator in the middle who utilizes that device. Ah, and that's the crux of it, right? You've got a human user um, at the end uh, of all of that work to reduce risk in the design process and the development process. And then you have to trust the end user to uh, use it in the safest way possible. Whose responsibility does that fall on? Is it the is it the users, the physicians using the device, uh, or is it the company that makes the device? Responsibility extends even in that space to understand how we can help surgeons utilize our devices better, and how we can integrate that approach into our stage gate. So. We do things like timely, relevant, use-related safety training so that our sales force is trained on that particular device to know what are the things that they should highlight specifically to the surgeon. What's different between this iteration of the device and the previous one? As you know, MedTech, to, to a large extent, development is an iterative process. Right. So, as a surgeon looks at the device, if I could kind of almost akin Drop, drop parallels to, you know, we buy multiple televisions in our lifetime and our expectation is that you click the button and the TV turns on. Physicians are, and surgeons are used to using devices and iterations on it. They expect it to kind of work the same way the previous version of it worked, but there may be certain nuances that you need to highlight to them that may be different. So that's the the trust program that we have. Similarly, along that way, we, we have tools called the optimized device performance tools. Again, every device goes out with the instructions for use. If you've seen some of those, they're kind of the size of 
of a small booklet. Um, what can we do to enhance the messaging in those so that you're creating maybe some kind of a fold out that highlights specific things they need to know about that, that device? So again, not just ensuring that you're developing um, you know, the safest devices, but ensuring that they're used in the most appropriate way to drive the best outcomes po possible. And then kind of going a step beyond that to, you know, furthering the science. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there we've got programs. What can we do collectively for the ecosystem, right? How can we create a collaborative community um, where we are all as industry, as academia, as regulators focused on driving the best outcomes? And two initiatives out there that, that we worked on. One is in ensuring that the company's clinical trial data is available to scientists the world over if they wanted to use that data to promote scientific research and serve public good. And that's done through a partnership with uh, Yale, um, a, a partnership called the Yale University Open Data Access Project, or Yoda. Mm -hmm. And the other one is an effort um, with Ariadne Labs, uh, which is based, which is a, a collaboration between uh, Brigham Women's and the Harvard School of Public Health, where modeled on the WHO safe surgery checklist, we've created something called the device briefing tool that's meant to encourage communications within the operating team. Uh, because we strongly believe that if you can encourage communications within that team, you help reduce risk in that procedure. So just a flavor of, you know, where in the past we used to look at complaints data and then react to that, how we are pivoting to be more proactive and trying to prevent events from happening, and then closing the loop back based on what we're learning to drive better iterative design while supporting the surgeons in the middle. So despite all of those efforts and best practices and all of the things that you've just mentioned, we know that at one time or another, all of the tier one medical device companies, including Johnson & Johnson, have had to deal with patient safety uh, device related concerns. Can you share any lessons learned from J&J's experiences with these issues and anything that might help other medical device companies be better equipped to handle these issues when they do arise? Sure. No, you, you are right, Amanda. All of us face recalls at some point or the other, despite all the efforts that we take to ensure that we have the safest devices out there. And the, the recalls could be efficacy related, could be risk related, things that you learn in the real world, right? Um, right. And our aim is always to try and reduce those those numbers uh, year on, on year. But there is a certain percentage that inevitably happens despite best efforts. So again, our principle out here, just based on what we've learned, is twofold. Number one, to always lead with the science and the data. Look at what the science and the data is telling us. Leave our opinions, perceptions, biases at the door and look at what the data is leading us to. And two, to keep the patient at the center, putting people first, using an ethics and values-driven lens. So yes, there is a science and data that's telling us something, but if this were my father, mother, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, you know, mm -hmm. place wherever you want to place in the middle, what would be the right thing to do for them? I think those are the two key principles that guide 
all of our safety-related decision-making uh, within the company and very well aligned with the, with the J&J credo. In addition to that, we also believe that it is important to be proactive and transparent, right? Now, what do I mean by that? We today have access to real-world data where we can begin to scientifically answer a lot of these questions much better than we were able to do, let's say, about five years ago. Um, if I were to give you a very generic example, say you've got a device that is being used globally and in one particular market, you begin to receive complaints about breakages with, with that device, for, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you go through your whole safety management process and you're really not able to put a finger on why that breakage is really happening. Um, you go down to the site, you visit the site, um, and you, again, potentially discover that maybe the device is not being used appropriately per the instructions for use. Maybe they're doing something different that's, that's leading to those breakages. You're now in a situation where you believe it could be a use-related error, but again, you're going to be perceived as coming from a biased point of view because it is your device, right? At the, at the end of the day, you're always going to be seen as trying to protect your baby, your child. You, you don't, you, you're, you're going to be seen coming from the perspective of you don't want to see a blemish on your child, so you're going to do everything to protect the, the mm -hmm. child. And that's pretty much going to be the way the regulator is going to look at it as well. If a regulator is hearing something from a, an academic institution and gets uh, additional information from a manufacturer that runs counter to what the academic is telling them, my natural bias, even as a regulator, would be to side with the with the academic institution based on their real world uh, experience, right? So again, when you're in a situation like this, it is always important to go back to the data and see what the data is doing. Maybe go ahead and design a real world study. Look at what the real world evidence is showing you around that device. And when I say design a study, I'm saying design the protocols, be very clear about the endpoints that you're looking at, be transparent and publish that protocol before you go ahead and execute the study. And then based on that science and data, you probably have a much better standing to understand what's going wrong um, with the device if something truly is, or whether this is truly a use-related error. And then lastly, irrespective of where the fault line lies, even if it is a use-related error, kind of go back into the design process and figure out what can I do to kind of weed that error out? What can I do to ensure that in the design that these surgeons don't make that error um, irrespective of, of how they might choose to use the device. So it's, those are some of the principles that we've used at Johnson & Johnson uh, very effectively to address some of these challenges. Now, Jijo, I understand that you're also the board chair of the Medical Device Innovation Consortium, or MDIC for short. So what kind of work is the MDIC doing to advance patient safety in healthcare? Yes, I was honored uh, last year to be appointed as the chair of the board of directors for, for MDIC. And um, I'd served on the MDIC board for four years prior to, to that. Um, MDIC, as you know, as you probably know, is the first public-private partnership that brings together 
representatives from government, academia, not-for-profits, patient groups, and industry in this collaborative community that's aiming to drive regulatory and safety science for patient benefits. It's we are working in this pre-competitive space um, for for patient benefit, and you know some of our work in 2021, for example, reflects our passion to put patients at the center of of what we're doing. What do I mean by that? We've hosted workshops to introduce payers and health technology assessors to patient preference information and its value in making coverage decisions so that patients are able to utilize the technologies that are being um, uh, approved by by the regulators. We've worked um, in developing the science of patient input resources to help manufacturers communicate Uh, with patients better and to maximize patient input. Um, Through the pandemic, we've created expert guides that patients can use to figure out, you know, how do I balance that benefit risk of, I need to get a procedure done. How critical is it that I get it done now versus can I wait in the context of a pandemic? What are my benefit risks? How should I think about that? Um, We are... We house the National Evaluation System for Health Technologies, uh, NEST for short, um, that is helping create the electronic infrastructure backbone that can help us use real-world data better, not just for product approval so we can get innovation to market faster, but Mm -hmm. also for active surveillance so that we can see how that innovation is performing in the market. So a a lot of initiatives that are uh, underway, exciting initiatives underway at MDIC focused on patient benefit. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. Thanks again to our guest, Dr. Jijo James. You can find him on LinkedIn and visit us at www.mddionline.com for all of your MedTech news. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm -hmm.